0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor. And welcome to Game Misconduct. We told you back during the course of the summer, the draft is over. The free agent signing period is right around the corner, so we figure we'd do a podcast. And what better way to do it than our friend E.J. Raddick for the NHL Network. How are you, sir? I'm good, Don. How you doing, buddy? Good. I mentioned that we were going to do a podcast today, so a lot of Twitter reaction that I want to get to. Uh, But before we do that, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the draft. You were there in Chicago and... Anything surprised you? Anything that uh, maybe raised an eyebrow at all? Or did all go kind of the way you thought?
1: Well, crazy morning with the trades that really kind of stirred the pot for everybody. Uh, The draft itself, they had a little bit of a different look at the draft this year. They changed the tables around. It was more streamlined. They had a green room for for some of the top prospects, uh, like we see in some of the other sports. And it moved along a little bit faster, but I have to say, uh, because the trades, those big trades, happened in the morning. There was nothing that happened really on the draft floor on Friday night, and, and not too much on Saturday. So, uh, I would say, uh, other than that crazy morning of activity, it was uh, pretty standard stuff for the draft.
0: And I guess one of the biggest trades, especially here in New York, was the trading of Derek Stepan and Ranta. And it seems like most. Ranger fans are more upset about Ronta being gone than Stepan. Um, I, I, I Listen, I love Auntie Ronta. I thought he was very good, just like I thought Talbot was good the year before. I can't yeah. get that caught up in a backup goaltender. I just can't. And it seemed like it hurt to give him up from a Ranger standpoint, but to be able to free up that cap space and do what you have to do, I I, I guess Gordon just looked at it as, uh, as much as I hate to give up Ronta, I I could probably find another one. But to get that kind of cap space is very difficult to do. So I I think they did the right thing.
1: Johnny, uh, this is why I love you. Because you don't get caught up in silly stuff. I mean, the Bahis, Andre Ronta played well this year, just like Cam Talbot played well. But at the end of the day, they are both the backup goalie. The guy that has been there for years that you're paying all the money to is Henrik Lundqvist. He is going to play... 55 to 60 games during the season if all goes well. And you always have to hope that all is going to go well. So there are several experienced backup goalies that will be on the market. It's going to be more of a buyer's market. So the Rangers will settle on someone. And they let's face it, their hopes and, uh, and dreams are tied to Henrik Lundqvist still. If Henrik Lundqvist would be out for for the season in some unfortunate situation. I mean, I don't know. We don't know what uh, either one. Uh, Cam Calvin has played really well with Edmonton. We don't know. We, we didn't know at the time. And, and the same can be said for Auntie Raj. I think he'll do well in Arizona. But uh, Henrik Lundqvist is the goalie here, and he plays most of the game. So I don't think you can get too hung up on who your number two guy is. You just have to find someone that can be confident for you.
0: Yeah, you cannot let get that get in the way of doing what you feel you need to do. And, yeah. and and Ellison you know, step on it's a center it's a it's a center league, I get it, and it's tough to give up a center, but there's a lot of money tied to him they've now if klein retires have twenty three million dollars to put together the roster they 've got some restricted free agents they've got to address, but uh, they've put themselves in a situation to do it's very difficult to do it 's kind of like what the Yankees are doing in baseball to me e j that is stockpile young talent picks but not have it come at the expense of being competitive in the now. And I think the Rangers did both. They went out, they had a first-round pick for the first time since 2012, and they got two in the first round. They brought in a young, talented defenseman and freed up some cap space to address their needs. So I don't know if it'll work, but I think to be able to do, to kill two birds with one stone like that is exactly what any general manager in the league needs to try to do.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that's... uh... That's where they were at. Uh, you know, in the Derek Stepan situation, uh, he's been a ranger, and he's been a very good ranger for several years. But he was coming to that point in time when his uh, the no trade clause was going to kick in and going to give him more leverage in terms of uh, what, uh, you know, what he would be able to, how much he would be able to control. So uh, they opened up all this cap room. They have, uh, you know, in turn they got a, a high draft, which they haven't had in a long time. And uh, they got a player, which I think is interesting, in an Anthony D'Angelo, because he's got a lot of talent. He's a former first-round pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, he's a puck-moving right-shot defenseman, but there is baggage there. He's been a little bit of an immature kid. I mm-hmm. talked to somebody that had him in one of the two teams he was previously on, and the comment I got was the teammates, his teammates, aren't necessarily a big fans of him. So I think uh, the Rangers—they know if I know this, Don—they know it. They've done their due diligence and try to see where this kid is at, and they believe that he is going to be able to come in and assimilate into the team and grow up a little bit, be more mature, and really be able to get out of his own way, so sort to of speak, and let his skills, which are so uh, – which are which which have – you know, he's got the skill to play in this league, and uh, hopefully he can mature and be a factor for them. And now if you put him as a right-shot-puck-moving young guy there – with McDonough and with uh, Brady Shea, and then you maybe add a right shot defenseman, let's say like a free agent like Kevin Shattenkirk, all of a sudden you've got a pretty mobile group of four guys. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what they're going to do in terms of Shattenkirk. That's still one of those ones that I think you really have to give a long, hard consideration to because that will be an expensive buy. But uh, you can see the direction they're moving is to try to be more mobile. And I think if D'Angelo, he's the key to all this for me, if he becomes a mature player... That makes a big difference
0: for the team. Yeah, so that was, that was one of the big deals. You saw a deal last night with Mathot going to Dallas. Were you surprised they didn't hold on to him, or did you kind of know that when they did select him that Vegas was going to trade him away?
1: I got the sense that when they selected him, they were going to trade him. Right. I think it's very interesting. They got a second rounder in 2020 and a goaltending prospect that's not like a high-end goaltending prospect. So, um, you know, when I – when I look at it, I really, really have to wonder about Pierre Dorian in, in Ottawa. Because people will say that, oh, George McPhee could have got more from Ottawa for him, and then he just traded him and he got a second-round pick in 2020. But the reality is for George McPhee, he's just stockpiling picks for the future. He's trying to build a team for the future. Pierre Dorian lost his first pair left-shot defenseman that plays with his best player and is an important player to their team. And I think that you had to find a way to try to protect him, especially in light of the fact that, uh, you know, that that Las Vegas traded him for a second-round pick. If it means having to give up a first-round pick, maybe you have to do it because the Ottawa Senators weren't, I don't think, we are really in a great position to, to lose him. He went through a whole sort of uh, song and dance with Dion Phaneuf, and now in the end he did not waive that no move. He's still there. Fans are going to kind of blame him probably for some of the uh, – for the fact that he didn't want to waive his no trade. So I I just think that situation in Ottawa right now is really messy. And I think at the end of the day, they had to look at it realistically and say, Hey, we need to keep this guy. Uh, They didn't. And, uh, you know, we'll see what that means for them down the road, but a great pickup for the Dallas stars because he can slide in and play with, with, uh, with John Klingberg and be much the same of a compliment that he was to Eric Carlson in that he's a stay at home guy. And, Carlson was the rover, and Klingberg, not as good as Carlson, but an offensive-minded rover-type defenseman.
0: All right, let's close it out with some tweets, EJ. Uh, A lot of people want to kind of chime in and get your thoughts and my thoughts on some things. Uh, Ryan sends a tweet. Will Sackick eventually cave on his asking price for Duchesne? If so, do you think the Islanders have the best chance to get him?
1: Uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, What I'm hearing from Colorado is – The serious phone calls are now coming in, and that's what you would expect because uh, the trade deadline is a place where only a handful of teams can be active. Uh, You get what this year was unique. You had the expansion draft, so that kind of limited what people were willing to do. The draft took place. Conversations start to get held. The market starts to become very uh, clear to a lot of the teams. And I think that now is the – you know, now – is the time when people are going to come forward with their serious offers. Uh, you know, I don't think the Islanders have that one real high-end defenseman that Colorado is really seeking. They were seeking a Charlie McAvoy from Boston. I don't think Boston's going to do that. Uh, you know, they were seeking, you know, those type of players. And you see what the market is in terms of, uh, you know, defensemen. The Rangers are willing to take a chance on a D'Angelo just because it's hard to find those guys. Yeah, that's true. So, So I think, you know, as far as Joe Sackett goes, uh, he's got more options now. I think the Islanders definitely had an interest. They have the cap room. Um, They moved out to I mean, perhaps he could have been a piece in all that, but uh, he goes for a a slew of high-end draft picks. So, I mean, time will tell. I think the Islanders can be in it, but uh, I do think that the Colorado Avalanche are going to get better offers now that they've been hearing. And I think now will be the time over the next uh, two weeks that they do something with Cushain. And we'll see if the Islanders uh, can put something together that is to the liking of Joe Sackick. But again, I don't know if they have that really high-end young defenseman that the, mm. the Avalanche are trying to, trying to get in that
0: deal. Uh, Matt Gold tweets, with the Ducks sacrificing Theodore to protect Vatanen, do you think the Vatanen trade is still on the table?
1: I think it's possible that Vaughton can still be moved. He starts the season, uh, injured. He had to go through, I believe, some kind of shoulder procedure, so he's not gonna, I don't think he's gonna be ready to start the season, but I think it's possible. I love Sammy Vaughton as, uh, another right shot, puck moving guy, kind of in the mold of a Chris Letang. Not as good as Latang, but, but very good. And, uh, it just depends, I think, cap-wise, what the, what the ducks wanna do. They're not a team that spends right to the top of the cap, so that is a, a factor for, uh, you know, for for the Ducks moving forward, uh, the reason they were willing to sacrifice uh, Theodore is because they have Fowler, they have Lindholm. Those are their two left-shot puck-moving guys. They also have uh, Jakob Larson, who's a real good defenseman that played a little bit for the start of the
0: season mm-hmm. there,
1: uh, as well. On the right side, they have BX for one more year. He's kind of on the way out. They have uh, Josh Manson that they like. They also have a kid Montour, who was Brandon Montour, who's a pretty good player as well. So, you know, they're dealing from strength there on the on the on the blue line with young players. They've done a good job of scouting and developing. Uh, I won't be surprised if Vatn is moved, but I think they'll have to get something significant for Vaughton.
0: Uh, Victor asks, Did the Devils do uh, get the right guy at number one and the rest of their many draft picks so that they can compete this year?
1: Well, ask me again in three years. <laughs> And uh, we'll know. I mean, I I would tell you this. I saw, I know that they liked uh, uh, Heischer. I mean, that was their guy. They liked him, so that's no issue, right? That's the guy they liked. They chose him. I've seen him play. I like him. I think there's a lot of upside to him, so I got no problem with Nico Heischer. As it's, you know, as how things will turn out, only time will tell. Um, But I think it's always wise when you're picking to uh, go with the guy that you think is the best player and not try to get into some kind of uh, guessing game or consensus. And uh, I think Nico, Heesha sure has a chance to be a really good player. As for being more competitive next year, uh, I think time will tell. We'll see if Mikey McLeod can make the team at a junior. He had a good finish to his season and playoff. We'll see where Pavel Zaka is in terms of getting better. I think the Devils will be a player in trying to make some acquisitions uh, between now and uh, you know, the, the free agent uh, window opening and perhaps some kind of other trades. So uh, I think with a lot of these teams, done, Rangers, the Devils, Islanders, all, and all the teams in the league, I think we're still in that midway point. I think it'll be better to judge all the moves these teams make in, let's say, January or July 15th because then we'll have a complete or more complete picture Mm. of what they were trying to do. Like the Islanders have opened up cap room. What are they going to do with it? The Rangers have opened up cap room. What are they going to do with it? The Devils are a team that is rebuilding. They've got some interesting young pieces. What are they trying to build around that? We should know the answer to those questions, probably have a better idea. Somewhere around the middle of July, we'll have that complete picture.
0: Uh, Venom AD asks, how much of an impact will Eberle have with the Islanders, and who do you think will fill the second-line center role?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, Eberle and Tavares have a little bit of a history. They played together at the World Juniors, and I believe it was 09, and, uh and they had real great chemistry together. Left shot center, right shot right wing. Natural forehand to forehand pass. Uh, Everly is probably really excited to have a new opportunity with the Islanders. I think the start is important for Everly to come in and get off on the right foot because if not, you know, the questions start being asked as we go along, uh, you know, about whether he was worth it or not. He's got two years left. I think it's six million. So, they're not on the hook for long term, and with John Tavares' situation right now, I can tell you this: John Tavares. If you're expecting him to sign a long term contract on July 1st, it's not happening. Uh-huh. Uh, he's probably, probably going to have a wait and see approach to things, which is tricky for the franchise. And it's one of the reasons why, I, when I look at these guys who are core players like that, the Islanders, you know, made themselves kind of a bridge deal, a five year deal with with Tavares, and they they saved on that end of the deal. But they put themselves in a position to have to make a decision on a player who is going to become a declining asset in the years to come, and they're likely going to have to sign him to an eight-year term. So, if they had what I'm saying, I guess, is if they would have signed him and then all in on, him on an eight-year term at 22, they wouldn't be in this situation now. They'd have a couple more years with him, his high-end years, and then they could make a, a decision on where he is at 30 or 31. So, uh, it's a little bit of a trickier situation because of that. We'll see how it plays out. But as for the number two center there, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe Nelson is, uh, you know, in that role. I mean, they've, they've got some young players. They're still trying to figure out exactly where they fit. So, uh, so time will tell, and I do think there'll be more acquisitions there.
0: Uh, Mike McGurk, do you think the Pens should keep trying to win without an enforcer to prove a point, or was Reeves a good trade?
1: Well, I think Jimmy Rutherford was worried about that his star players were getting dinged around, and I think he made it a priority to get somebody of that nature. Uh, they gave up uh, a lot, really. I guess a, a chance to draft in the first round and a and a player. Now they might have been looking to move Sunquist as they, just to move a contract off their roster, so that might have been, hey, we'll give you the pick, but you got to take the player type of thing. But they identified Reeves as somebody that. Uh, could play in that role and play within their group, and and Ryan is a real good teammate. He was pretty well liked in uh, in St. Louis, so uh, you know time will tell. That I would say that Jimmy Rutherford has pushed a lot of right buttons in the last two years, so I think it's, you know I think because of that, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll see how it plays out.
0: All right. Finally, Daniel Gershoff says, "Bring back the NHL live days on NHL Network." Yes. <laughs> yes. Bring them back. let bring them back. Let's do it. Well, listen. Let's
1: do, two, let's do five hours a day, <laughs> taking calls, insulting viewers. I mean, you know, come on, come on. having fun, you nope, know, joking around.
0: Nobody get did Greg it better Baldigger. than
1: we did. We'll get Greg Baldinger. We'll put a we'll put a uh, like a mask over him so nobody has to see him. <laughs>
0: Great great that would be perfect dj i gotta thank you all season long you were there for me every monday and other times where you needed to kind of tap into your expertise uh the way we're going to leave the podcast now is probably do something after july 1st when some of the free agents get signed up and and analyze it a little deeper but uh i can't thank you enough i hope you have a fabulous summer and i hope we talk to you a couple of times before the uh, 2017-18 season starts
1: Donnie, you know, it's one of the joys of my career has had the opportunity to, to work with you and to become friends with you. So, listen, I, I, I love it. I'm always around because, listen, we had it. As you talked about it, so we still get questions about a show we did, what, seven years ago? That's true. So, you know, people really did like it. And I, I, I can only tell you this. I really enjoyed being a part of it as much as uh, the people seem to have liked it. So. Anytime Don, it's always a pleasure and uh you know we'll see we'll sure we'll see you around somewhere.
0: All right well, enjoy yourself man we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, take care, buddy.
0: All right, that's the great E.J. Raddick on the NHL Network. Hopefully he enjoys uh, his summer. Wanted to do a podcast after uh, all the trades and the draft. Uh, We will probably do another podcast sometime when we get back the week of the the July 4th weekend, July 1st of the free agent signing period. And if anybody knows the history of the NHL free agent signing period, it seems like an hour into free agency, all the big players get gobbled up. So (laughs) Shattenkirk, Thornton, Hanson. So all those free agents, I'm sure, will be gone uh, not too long after the July 1st uh, free agent signing period. So when we come back from the 4th of July weekend, we'll probably recap free agency and, and then get you set up for, for the rest of the summer. But we wanted to do something uh, with EJ. Got a few more tweets we want to get to uh, before we say goodbye here on Game Misconduct. Jason says, do you see the Kings signing anyone big this summer? Well, of course, you've got uh, to address Kopitar. You saw uh, the players, they left unprotected. It looks like Los Angeles is going through a bit of a rebuild, and and why not? They won the championship in 2012, went to a conference final uh, in 2013, won the Stanley Cup again in 2014, but you saw them miss the playoffs this year, coaching change. Uh, that they might be going through a little bit of a rebuild. So I'm not really sure how they are going to try to replenish some of that talent. So you don't hear a lot about big names that they're going to go after. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on the Los Angeles Kings who do look like they might be in a little bit of a rebuilding mode. Uh, also, Guy says, golfing today. We saw that you were recording uh, a game misconduct. So he wanted to know what uh, myself and EJ thought of the job Gordon has done thus far. And we talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but – Let's face it, You know the Rangers are doing something that is very difficult to do. Still continue to try to win now with a goaltender that is starting to get past his prime here. He's going to be 36 when the playoffs start next year. Uh, when we get to March, he's going to be 36. You usually don't see goaltenders get that many more kicks at the can on the other side of 35, but Lundquist has played well. They still have Nash under contract making big money. Uh, they still have guys like uh, McDonough and Stahl on the team that they want to try to see if they can't squeeze out one more run. So that's why they freed up the $20 million in cap space, and if Klein retires, it becomes $23 million. Now, they have to address Fost uh, is a restricted free agent. There's other people's advantage at they've got to re- uh, take a look at restricted-wise. So not all of that money can be committed completely to signing free agents from other teams, but they have the chance to replace themselves. they got a bunch of picks, a young defenseman in D'Angelo. So they've kind of rebuilt up their farm system and also put themselves in a position to try to win over the next couple of years as well. So that's a difficult thing to do. So if I had to analyze Gorton's job, uh, to be able to kill two birds with one stone like that is pretty significant. Also wanted to take the time here on Game Miss Conduct to congratulate the four players that have been elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, of course, they'll be inducted uh, coming up in November uh, of this upcoming season. Timo Solani, certainly a no-brainer. Who can forget the 76 goals he scored for the Winnipeg Jets in his rookie season? Won a Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks. Also had uh, you know phenomenal career, including places in Colorado uh, and San Jose. Uh, Timo Solani, truly one of the great Finnish players in the history of this sport. Maybe one of the greatest Finns ever. Certainly deserving. Dave Anderchuk, always a personal favorite of mine. Finally was able to win that Cup in 04 in Tampa. That combination of Anderchuk and Gilmore in Toronto in the mid-90s was absolutely absolutely deadly. That Toronto power play was one of the best I ever saw with those two players going at it. Andrew Chuck, of course, made his bones in Buffalo as a great player, went to Toronto, and then finally was able to win the Cup, uh, scored his 500th goals. member of the Devils, and of course won the Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. What can you say about Mark Reckie? Uh, tremendous player, played deep into his 40s. Uh, tremendous player with Philadelphia, with Pittsburgh, bounced around the league quite a bit. A bit of a compiler, but certainly deserving of the Hall of Fame. And Paul Correa, a tremendous Tremendous player. I mean, who could forget in that Stanley Cup final in 2003 when he was knocked unconscious by Scott Stevens and then was able to recover and score a goal in that game when the Ducks, who were a a true underdog against the Devils in 2003, still able to force a Game 7 and win all three of their games in Anaheim, uh, Korea. Concussion situations. And, of course, if you remember that moment in 2003, that doesn't happen today. There's no way he comes back from being knocked unconscious. He would have been concussion protocol. Call. probably wouldn't have played the rest of the series, but it was a little bit of a different time, and he comes back and he scores the goal. Ducks didn't win the cup, but certainly that's one of the great moments of that final and certainly one of the great moments of Paul Correa's career, and you wonder how much more he could have done if he didn't suffer the concussion. So congratulations to Solani, Andrew Chuck, Recchi, and Correa, all very well deserving of being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. So here's how we're going to set it up going forward. We will do a podcast probably somewhere around July 5th kind of recap everything so probably next wednesday we will recap the free agent signing period and then we will go from there the way it's going to be during the course of the summer that's why we need you to subscribe to game misconduct go to the espn app go to apple podcasts subscribe that way you can get an alert when we have a new game misconduct up because we're not going to do it every day so as soon as we do update game misconduct you can get an alert also follow me at twitter at don Lagreca, hashtag game misconduct and And, again, periodically during the course of the summer when there's a big trade, big free agent signing period will return. So let's try this again on Wednesday of next week, kind of recap free agency, and then we'll dive into um, getting you ready for the 2017-2018 season, which, before you know it, will be right at our doorstep. So thanks to E.J. Raddick for helping us out today. Thanks so much for listening. Again, we'll be back with you again next week. This was the Tuesday edition of Gay Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor.